Space, the Final Frontier. These are the parables of the Starship Enterprise, Sacred Trek's continuing mission to seek out new understanding of ourselves and one another, boldly takes us to Star Trek, The Next Generation, Season 1, Episode 11, The Big Goodbye. Hello and welcome to Sacred Trek, the podcast that engages in community around the parables of Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your host, Kent Altman, and here's Christina Hartfield. Hi, Christina, how you doing? Hi, Kent. Good. Yeah. How are you? I'm I'm doing I'm doing okay. It's been a are, week. But... Mm-hmm. You excited to talk about this episode? I know how much you love it. Oh, and by love <laughs> we mean sarcastic, but yeah, nice. Sure. Fun. Um, we'll talk about it and try to have a good time. <laughs> we'll have a good time. Some people like it, some I, I don't, but it's okay. I'll, I'll that <laughs> Shall we go around and say hi to everybody? Yes, please. Hi, Becky. Hi, Kent, and how everyone doing, else. Becky? I'm good. I'm I'm happy to see your faces and hear your voices. Very good to hear your voice and see your face too. All of yours. How are you doing, Nicole? Hi, Nicole. Hi, I'm good. Glad to see y'all. Yeah. Hi, Misa. How's it going? Hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Mark? Hi. It's going great. It's a Saturday. It's you have good. whiskey. I have whiskey. <laughs> Fine. What's your drink tonight? He's drinking Jameson. I'm drinking Glen Morangy. I'm drinking. Diet Sprite, crazy <laughs> water. Diet Sprite. Hey, stay hydrated. Water, water, water in my Ben and Jerry's coffee, coffee buzz, buzz, buzz. Nice. Yeah. Shall we get started with this episode? The big goodbye. Yes. Let's do it. All right. So I have a little parable here, and it goes like this: While en route to a diplomatic proceeding with an insectoid species, the Hirata. Counselor Troy suggests that our hero Picard take his mind off of studying too much for the exchange by taking to the upgraded holodeck for some fun. His initial foray into a detective program inspires him to invite along his crewmates to enjoy the amazing wonders the holodeck presents, among them Dr. Crusher and Mr. Data. The hollow novel takes a turn for the worse when a probe from the Herodans causes it to malfunction. Trapped inside the gangster program, Picard and Dr. Crusher find their mutual attraction to be a growing cause for attention, while Data learns what the Herodans insist upon from the start. Good manners are never a waste of time. Well said. (laughs) Thank you, Jitterbug. (laughs) The dogs agree. Okay, this is a it's a cool looking episode, but aside from that, I didn't really get anything out of it. Yeah. Well, I think that there are more than one story going on here, and you've got to embrace the story within the story, mm-hmm. letting yourself dive into the the noirness of the Dixon Hill episode on the holodeck. You know, film noir and the noir the genre 
is all about skating on the edge uh, between mm. good and evil or yeah. light and dark, however you want to say it. You know, I mean, and the good guy occasionally goes off to the wrong side and the bad guy occasionally does something you're not really sure why they're doing it, but it seems good. And Right, it's, it's embracing the gray area. Uh-huh. I got it really excited, actually, as soon as it had the film noir feel because um, I grew up, my dad's a big film buff, and so I've seen... Yes my share of those films so I was like it's the second <laughs> like that the office opened and the the window was there and the lighting and I was like oh yay we're gonna explore this, this genre and then I also got excited because Captain Picard was also excited to be exploring that genre and it I was. thought that yes. was a really fun yeah. storytelling element like how excited they all were to step into that world and like I get that as an actor mm-hmm. like it is fun to all of a sudden be in a, in a costume and on set, you know what sure. I mean? Like, like yeah. even when the first time, like the the holodeck, like when he left and he was like, oh, you yeah. know, when I leave, like nothing happens. And like, it was very film noir how like the guy opened the door anyway and was still mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. After, and I was true. like, is that guy going to be in his office? Like what happened? Like, obviously they let us know that the story's still going on and Captain Picard doesn't know, which is like totally that stuff. So anyway, I thought that was really neat. They were LARPing. (laughs) (laughs) They were LARPing. I don't get it. Live action action role play. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting that uh, Data, you know, Data, of course, is Data, right? So he's going to go and research ahead of time and absorb every bit of factual information that he can. But, of course, in the situation... When, for instance, the guy says, you know, keep your nose clean and Data kind of touches Mm -hmm. his nose. It's like there's something to be said for understanding the context. You can have like all the information intellectually in your mind. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's a different it's different to experience it. And it seemed like he started having fun trying to make those phrases throughout the rest of the time. Like it was like it was happening to him and then he like got into it. Yeah, with his accent. I loved his his gangster. (laughs) It was like watching the kid who, you know, sit and watches the improv troupe actually get up on stage and perform for the first time. (laughs) It was like, yes, and, yes, and. It was so cute. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh Uh-huh. There was a lot of first year improv going on in this, this everybody's episode. standing yeah. around with a goofy grin on their faces <laughs> looking at each other like watching beverly powder yeah. her nose <laughs> doing it right yeah, yeah. that was so funny chewing and then swallowing the gum that was gum. Yeah. they were always like checking in with each other which one of the things i really enjoy is the humor the show you know it, they really yes had true. an opportunity to amp up some of the humor and, and well they were and, playing i think christina said that yeah, it, it does. It is amazing to me, though. It's it's the 24th century. I got to tell you, I know quite a lot about what went on just 400 years ago. I mean, so I'm not sure I would be that surprised about automobiles. Oh, I mean, yeah. Look, horses and carriages. No, but you, you know, know I mean, what? It's... You would be really excited to see it for real. I guess you know, that's true. And you would be you, know... you would probably say something like, oh, my God, the smell. I could only imagine what it would be like to actually be there. But now I'm actually there. Yeah, because I'd lose so... my marbles if I got to see a guillotine. <laughs> yeah. 
Especially for people. That was that... dark, Nisa. What the hell? That was dark. Mark, don't, you can't just go past that. Sorry. You are wearing a Marilyn Manson shirt, so, you know. <laughs> Picard got excited about the automobile. Nisa gets excited. That's a guillotine. Like, it's a guillotine. <laughs> no. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to come out loud. Like, That's that was awesome. supposed to stay up in the brain That's space. Okay. I'm glad it did. I'm sure some of our listeners also would be excited about a guillotine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that I made a note of how much I appreciated Deanna Troy saying, you need to take a break and have some fun. You're working your brain too hard. You need the diversion. I loved that. Go do something else. Yeah. Because basically it's my job to help divert people. So thank God. Love it. Yeah. That's one of my truth and justice topics. There's, I think, a thing in our world right now to push too hard, push too much. We have this crazy crazy notion that if you don't work 40 hours a week you're not really working 40 Um, Uh and so i i know that that's way less than some people work and you know you're the captain of the starship and you're on duty 90 percent of your life probably so yeah i really i also appreciate her bringing that up there but Mm -hmm. how do we how do we apply that to our world a little more well, it's just, it's true. We need to all do that, embrace that. I don't love, though, that um, when he did do that, all hell broke loose and somebody almost died. So, right. <laughs> uh oh. So never have fun. Right. That's the lesson. So maybe we shouldn't all go to the holodeck, but maybe take some time and read an actual book, you know? Or, you you know? <laughs> when he came back in, he seemed like maybe almost dying made him feel like, I can get these words right. I just went through a lot in there. Yeah, this, like he this seemed, is way easier very, than what I just did. Yeah, you know? exactly what I was thinking when Picard was speaking bug. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I think that there are many people that, that have hard jobs that do hard things for recreation, but in a different mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. They run marathons, you know, they mountain climb, they do things that are challenging, but it challenges a different part of their being. And then when they come back to their, you know, daily grind of job, whatever it might be, it doesn't seem that daunting because they just climbed climb that mountain. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because my boyfriend works for FedEx, and during the holidays, he'll pull sixty-hour weeks. Like he'll leave the house by seven thirty and won't come home until like nine o'clock, oh, like in multiple days in a row, and sometimes six days a week. And on his off days, he'll work out, and I just look at him and I'm like your job is a workout what are you doing he's like well it clears my mind it like it helps me feel better and stuff like so i guess just finding what it is that you are releasing that gets your mind back on focus whether it is working out or reading a book or laying in bed watching reruns of simpsons i don't know but that's me (laughs) it's different for different people Mm -hmm. when you're playing a game or you're in, in a in or you're working on a project or you're in a play or you're you're doing something that is challenging and, you know, that other people may not understand why you do that because it's frankly a lot of work or it terrifies them to even consider doing it, or it's a lot of responsibility on top of whatever your job might happen to be. Mm -hmm. But sometimes just doing that is so different from what you do in your daily, your your daily job that it, it can be um, a kind of not just stress release, but a, 
uh, another goal, another a thing to do, a thing to achieve mm-hmm. in a safer environment, perhaps, or a, something that doesn't depend on whether I'm going to pay my mortgage this month. Exactly. Kind of. That's true. Well, like Animal Crossing, I've right. spent so much time on my island. I just have to tell the world that I now have a five-star island, which is a big Congratulations. Deal. Yes. <laughs> but this has been the best, like you just described it so well, I think during the pandemic and um, like my job is still completely different and don't really know when things are going to be back to normal so that right. I got that game I think in August and it, it truly was like a nice like my biggest problem was where to where Weird, to plant the next yeah. tree and it was yeah. it was a nice yeah. like diversion yeah. diversions are awesome yeah fun. and it's important to give ourselves permission to do that yeah yeah mm-hmm. so um moving into the story a little bit in the holodeck story specifically the gangster man who's i want to call him bedrock but that's not his name um Yabba-dabba-doo. <laughs> red block red block um he says at one point dr crusher has dr crusher is my favorite character in this episode i'm not gonna lie but she's complaining about um the fact that Waylon is dying on the ground right. and she says it's also senseless and he red block says Oh, hardly. Senseless killing is immoral, but killing with a purpose can be quite often ingenious. I mean, you know, rioting is immoral, but rioting for a purpose can quite often be ingenious. I mean, you could put it that way. Um, There are any number of ways of putting that. What? You know, just killing, rioting. Rioting. It sounded like you said writing. That was my bringing it home yeah. you know i mean that was exactly that right somebody believed that it would be an ingenious thing to do to march on the capital and there you go whereas the rest of us believed that it was senseless mm. and and immoral yeah so but yeah that struck me right away when he said that i was like wow it actually kind of goes back to what mark said in the beginning about um film noir being all about what's good and what's bad and the gray, the good and the bad kind of merging together and embracing the gray. So um, that whole, con- the concept of what Red Block said was uh, sort of schooling her on that. Right. I'm pretty sure close to right after he said that is when he chose Dr. Crusher to be the one. And if you think about right. it, he kind of put that in place yeah. because exactly he was going to find out what he wanted to know, like by picking her Picard immediately shifted gears. Mm-hmm. And so like he was like, I don't know. He 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 used that quote like it was ingenious. Yeah, like, that's the way he yeah, got what he was, was looking yeah. for. I think that he's saying that you can be random about your killing or you can be intentional about your killing. And you can make a plan to do it and do it as art, or you can just spray. And the guy, Leech, who is his little henchman person, is kind of just that, you know? He just wants to kill everybody because he likes to kill. And mm. Red Block stops him a couple of times and then taunts him with it and, like, dangles it in front of him as a prize. And it as a tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really gross, yeah. actually. Yeah. It's really but you know what? Leech's version of it is gross, too. It's just gross in a completely different way. 
it's all gross. Mm -hmm. Not valuing other life is gross. Gross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like Red Block said so many different things, though, that were like little nuggets of wisdom, which was interesting because he was our bad guy. Um, well, that's the film noir thing. Right, 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 know. right. But like when he said, like, good manners are never a waste of time and uh -huh. uh, civility, gentlemen, always civility. And then like mm -hmm. the one, oh, the one that I really liked was just that like life is an endless stream of choices. And I was like, and well, when he said that, it occurred to me that it was also when it had occurred to the our crew, our people, that the choice had gotten taken away from them. They're stuck there. Right. Mm -hmm. So the irony of the mob boss saying life is an endless stream of choices when in reality they had got their choice had been taken away from them. I thought a lot of this episode was our story being sort of turned on end. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially when you get to the point where the captain is telling these characters in the holodeck that they're not real. But he tells them that by telling them that we're not real yeah so to you guys we're the fictional characters and to me that's when it gets really holodecky meta yeah yeah <laughs> because it's who's real in this situation yeah well i i want to push back against the notion that there's anything good about the gangsters and, and specifically for this reason because there's absolutely no sense in Picard trying to argue with the computer program to that degree there needed to be different strategy there and he's listening to these quote-unquote nuggets of wisdom coming out of this character's mouth and just because someone has wisdom does not make them good in no, any capacity wisdom is not inherently good or bad and anyone and everyone can have it we've seen it out of so many different characters at this point what defines the goodness or bad badness of characters especially in this world is their willingness to kill other people hmm. to me and one of the things that makes picard so heroic is that he's never willing to kill Right. You know, he mm -hmm. really isn't. And so like this character, there's no reasoning with someone who believes that death is a toy to be put on top of other people, you know, and it, it to me like it that just didn't make any sense that Picard is trying to get out of something by telling the guy that is a, a program that he's right. not real it's a yeah it's literally like he has confines it's not like spoiler alert it, it's not even like moriarty it's not learning it's not there's no capacity for he says that he wants knowledge the the, the gangster, gangster. Guy, mm -hmm. but really what he wants is power right. over the others and right. you can't reason with that yeah but i think that the reason why picard is trying to reason with them telling them what he tells them is to try to manipulate them sure in order to get out of the situation yeah and um i think that you know that does end up working he tells him and the gangster immediately oh, yeah. when the door opens he says so right. we can walk like, out there like that world and um yeah. then does yeah so i mean i don't know it's ai it is a computer program that's got certain parameters but it's it's ai and you can depending on how complicated it's coded mm -hmm. you can throw something unexpected at an ai and see what they say and um 
Yeah. They said at the beginning that there was an upgrade. I felt mm-hmm. like that was like a setup for it to be very, very real. Like for right. me. And clearly it was you because know, everybody was so amazed. Yeah. Right, right, right. And that's why it all seemed like, I mean, he really did get shot. The, it was a malfunction. Yeah, that was a malfunction. Right. Maybe Picard, because like, if you go into something thinking it's completely safe and then suddenly now. It gets out of hand. It, it isn't. This guy just got shot. Now even though you know that it's a program, you're probably like, well, how bad did this thing malfunction? Can I actually reason with it? Has it gone beyond being just a program or does it have actual thoughts or is it sentient? Like, is it an actual, can I reason with it like a human being? So that's what I thought Picard was going through in that moment. Picard doesn't know. Right, Mm -hmm. he doesn't know. He's got, he just got to try something. Right. Yeah. Well, and the guy's got a gun to Bev's head, right? He's going to, Picard's going to say whatever he needs to say to get... I just don't feel like we ever needed to get to that point. And we see it at the end when Data takes the gun and bends it in half. Oh, I know. Like that. And and yeah. the truth is that Picard overpowered Leech the second that he shot Wayland. Yeah, he did. He and you know and what I thought too? grabbed that gun and threw it out of the way. Beverly could have taken that guy Beverly out. Beverly could have taken that guy out. She could have. Yeah, she was still just acting didn't. almost. Yeah, they thought that it was supposed to be for fun. And they didn't take it seriously when the shooting started happening. Yeah. And then there's, you know, your fight, flight, or freeze mechanisms too. So like, granted, even though they could have had all of this training and totally been in that moment, they probably just froze. And it took them a while to get back to like, oh, that, yeah, that's right. I can just realize, oh, wait. Oh, right. We're Starfleet officers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Well, it leads to a question. What is the difference between a choice and an option? because you were talking about it a minute ago, Stina, the characters even talk about it. To me, when you have choices, it means that you have the freedom to decide. And when you have options, it means the freedom has been taken away from you. Yeah, I can see thinking that. It's the difference between, um, you know, long form answer and multiple choice. (laughs) You know, options are multiple choice. And if you can just write whatever you want to write. A lot of AIs are written with such complex algorithms that though they are mostly uh, multiple choice, I guess, um, but there are so many multiple choices and combinations of multiple choices that it almost seems like choices because you combine different things together and you get different outcomes. And I would have to believe that by the 24th century in a holographic program that the AI is pretty complex. Um, In order for this to seem real, even though it's based on a on a written program or on a story, um, in order for it to still seem real, certain things would have to be able to flow and happen as the improvisation goes. And I think that's just what was happening. It's just that the improv became serious because the guns actually hurt people. Uh I think all of this that was going on was going to happen, but nobody was supposed to be able to get hurt. Yeah, yeah. Mm Yeah. I wanted to bring up manners and politeness okay. because it's it's a part of the parable. It's something that ends up, I think, de-escalating the situation some when uh, because Picard hits Leech and Leech goes and gets Red Block and um, and then he comes back and he's like, "That's the one that hit me over there," and Red Block lets him like backhand Picard pistol whip, pistol whip yeah. thank you and um like there's there's that tit for tat thing and he yeah. even says 
I'm a tolerant man, but I do not tolerate disrespect. I'd say shooting someone is disrespectful. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put that out. Yeah, throw that like, out. I'm calling bull on you, Mr. He doesn't tolerate disrespect to himself. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Or his people. I have an instinct to not do that with people. I'd probably get pistol whipped like Picard. And maybe it's because I've watched this show, but I I have no I have no respect for people who have different rules for themselves from everybody else. Amen, brother. I yeah, think that I that's agree. crap. Yep. And I just needed to say that because mob bosses always believe oh, yeah. that they're above the law. Uh-huh. And some presidents. Uh, <laughs> it just really rang hollow for me. I mean that that type of pretend civility i guess oh no manners matter and this and that but like you've got guns pointing at people and you can take their lives or you know Mm -hmm. let them live i mean that's just crap or in the case of the outside world of the holodeck in this episode it's presumed that the insect people eat the captain who did it wrong oh is that what you right? think happened like, oh. oh that's totally what i think happened. okay that's why they don't want to show the captain because yeah, they were saying the graphic details and you well, know i didn't get that yikes i just thought they didn't talk to each other for 20 I years i totally think that he praying mantis they just yeah praying mantis that captain. yeah when they use the word graphic i think gory i would think that picard oh, would be a little bit more worried about it yeah graphic gory <laughs> I know it's life or death. I'm going to go play around in the holodeck. Yeah. I think that's why Picard was struggling with it yeah. because he had his mind on the outcome and knew that he was struggling with the words. And Counselor Troy was like, oh, honey. <laughs> go play. Go outside and play. <laughs> come back when the streetlights come go outside on. And play. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> that's right. So um, to take us to the wormhole, I mean, obviously, there's a there's an extreme amount of excitement that Picard has over how real it is, and he has to tell everybody. And oh my gosh, that's like, so funny! That ridiculous line where Data's like, "Oh, automobiles. Those are this and this and this." And teenagers use them in mating rituals. And Wesley's like, <laughs> "Teenage mating, mating rituals? What are those?" <laughs> 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 Shut up, Wesley! <laughs> you were on, and you were. You were on the planet with the people who run and just want to have sex and you don't know what teenage <laughs> meetings Right. Are. Come on, man. You know what's funny? That stupid meeting, I went back and counted how many sentences were actually about the insect meeting versus <laughs> the thing. And there were only 11 sentences about the upcoming, you know, life or death situation. <laughs> And yet Picard went on forever and was so excited. I was like, at first in that scene, I was like, did he seriously call a meeting just to tell them all about the holodeck? (laughs) He called a meeting with lipstick on his face. (laughs) Okay, but is there anybody here who hasn't been in a meeting that went completely off the rails and when you talked about everything else but what you were supposed to talk about? Oh, come on, it's a sacred trick recording. (laughs) I was just about to say that. (laughs) We we never go off the rails. I have never gone off the rails. (laughs) Um, The point that I was driving at there was that he invests a lot in it and then he takes his friends inside and he shows it off and and then it it gets deadly real fast and real and he tries to deal with it in a way that I think he would try to deal with real people on the outside instead of just overpowering them like the holograms that they are and you know and so how how do you measure the realness of a manufactured experience and 
how how do you protect your heart from things that are fake and should you and should you yeah that's a good part of it too because i think that that comes up with the idea of doing a play you know i think that any of us who are actors here have probably had showmances before are those real or are they just a product of your emotional state in the moment i think of like if i were to go to disneyland right which is my favorite place on earth and take my friends who've never been there and suddenly the animatronics on pirates of the caribbean actually start charging my boat I would just be like, fend for yourselves. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out. Like, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that's just, he has a sword, swim. Um, but yeah, I don't We're know. out of here. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's so funny. But I don't like showmances. Like, as a director, I really encourage my, well, my whole cast. But with my, I just think the chemistry goes away on stage. Once that, like, it's legit, it's like, they don't want people to see them. So I'm always like to the teenagers, I'm like, I'm going to need you to hold off on that real stuff. You to Save it for the stage. I don't need, I don't need any of that love. But that brings back my question. Is it real? Because I feel like the reason that people can't acknowledge it on stage is because they don't want to admit yeah, that sure. it's not real. Interesting. Huh. Sometimes it turns into something real. Yeah, it's, it's never real. Cynic, <laughs> <laughs> Lisa. I think to answer your question, how do we know, you know, what is the realness of the manufactured experience and how do we yeah. know when to, I think we keep trusted people around us mm. who will help us stay grounded mm. so that mm. as soon as they recognize for you, with you, that something is not real or that you are buying into something manufactured, then you, they are the people that will say, oh, dude, hey you're going there and it's not real. So it's having trusted people around you to help ground it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that it's important what Christina said that having real life people to help you stay grounded in reality is important. Um, I think it's important for actors because I think that showmances are real and I think it's no different than um, what they used to call work marriages, you know, I mean, people that frankly spend more time with their person that they're partnered with at work than they do with their spouse at home. Mm -hmm. They spend time and they rely on one another and they do, you know, they, they, they do things that are, that are important to them because they're part of their life. It's part of their, their job. And in fact, one of the challenges is it's something that they can't hundred percent share with their actual partner that they're married to because they're not in that experience. Um, I've seen this a lot too. I mean, I hate to go, you know, really deep geek right now, but you know, I mean, sure you do. Just go well, for it. I've spent a <laughs> decent amount of time in the past 20 years, not recently, but playing um, virtual online video games, online, you know, mul massively multiplayer. World of Warcraft. Yeah. Well, I didn't play that one. I played EverQuest for a long period of time. And you play these games and you actually develop relationships with these avatars, these other okay. characters who are not the people that are actually on the other side of the, you know, you know, but they're, but they are, you know, the people that you're interacting with and you yeah. develop relationships with them. And I've seen people develop ro romantic relationships and actually yeah. have 
officiated at uh, at in-game marriages uh, between characters wow. in these games. And that sounds crazy, I know, but yet it is a thing that happens to thousands of people all the time. And the only way for them to stay grounded in reality, if they do, would be for them to somehow share that with whoever their real world partner is. Christina and I played this uh, a game together and our characters were, you're going to love this, Joseph and Mary. Um, <laughs> yes, that's awesome. We actually became kind of famous in the game because of the names. You did. We that's did. amazing. In EverQuest. I love that. We played a lot of those games together. Go ahead and admit it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I love that though. What a cool connection. But so I think that it is very possible to develop a different kind of reality, I guess is what mm -hmm. I'm getting at. Um, and that you can't, you can't say that it's not real. Right. It is different. Definitely different. And the showman thing being real, you still, when the show is over, if you, you have your actual wife or a friend who is able to say, okay, you know what? Bring you back to reality, like I was talking about before. It's the people to help keep you grounded. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, on rare occasions, the showmance does turn into something lasting. So it's not always mm -hmm. less real. It's not always something that's fleeting, that's going to end. Um, but yeah, definitely. The relationship just changes. The relationship dynamics right. change. Mm -hmm. Like the relationship is real. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, I have to wonder um, if you MRI'd brains, you know, at certain periods of time, like to the brain or in terms of your body and literally the chemistry and what's going on physically, like would somebody be able to tell that this is somebody who's interacting with an avatar in a game and, you know, there's some romantic yeah. attachment or something for those characters versus two people in real life interacting like yeah. right the question of is it real or what's real i think it would be yeah. I, I, I bet it would be very similar actually I, yeah no i i would yeah i would guess you know one of the things bringing it back to the story you know i think that we we kind of live a story of our own invention to some extent everything that happens to us is is a story i mean but either way if we step back and look at it, we might have done things differently or we might choose to do things differently. It's still our story. Yet in that holodeck situation, there's real what is real and what is not real. Yeah. And the moment at the end when he's talking yeah. with the, his cop friend, um, Dan, I think his name was, about whether he's going to be able to be alive when Picard leaves. And Picard's answer is, I honestly don't know. Yeah. And even though he probably did in his, in the scientific part of his brain, know that the computer's going to turn off and you're going to be, you know, toast. But in that moment, he was having a personal conversation yeah. with somebody or something that was responding to him like a somebody. And he responded like a person. I find that moment incredibly sad when that detective asks Picard that question. Am I something that's only in your imagination or do I still exist? I wondered if he didn't know because when he left there earlier and when he came back, the story had progressed. That lady died. There was all the stuff that happened. So 
his only experience with that particular program was it did move forward. Even though he saved it. Remember, as he's walking out, he says, you know, save the program at this spot. And yet when he went back in, you know, onto the street scene, it's like, wait a second, that's not where he saved that program. Time had passed. Interestingly, too, I was kind of thinking about, you know, so Wesley is out there and, and Jordy and they're all fixing this thing. And Riker says from the bridge says, can you just do this? Do make the adjustment thing that you need to. And Wes is like, you know, but if I do it wrong, if something happens, then everyone in there is going to disappear. And I'm thinking, but wait, like those are physical beings in a physical room that we have seen before. Like the story disappears, but how would those people disappear? That didn't work for me. That, yeah. Yeah. Again, a little bit fuzzy science. The holodeck is based on transporter technology. And so okay. theoretically, if what Wesley's doing taps into the transporter system, hmm. he could be molecularized. Well, yeah. And when Redstone block, whatever, went out into the hallway and then disappeared, you did see kind of a little yeah, bit of true. transportery business going on. I think in this story, we are establishing that we think we know what to expect from the holodeck because it's a computer program, but we really don't. We didn't expect mm-hmm. the guy to actually be able to get shot, but it happened. Right. So we don't yeah. know. And that's going to be, that's an interesting. Yeah. And I believe Picard, yeah. actually, when he said that, definitely, it was a, it was a moving scene. I to agree with as you. Well. To me as well. I think that it has a lot to do with where I want to push this conversation next, which is, does love exist out loud or does love exist in your mind? And is love a shared experience or is love something that just happens simultaneously between people? Um, Because we see Picard and Dr. Crusher, she's jealous of that kiss, but she wouldn't be jealous. She would not portray jealousy had she not seen the lipstick on his face you know she has been very professional and upright and aside from the one moment in the naked now where the hormones are affecting them they've been very like buttoned up with each other but she Mm -hmm. sees that lipstick on his face and she's like um are we going in together i'll go with you and then he's like yeah everybody come and she's like No, and then later when they want to go to his office, she's like, "Can we go to your office?" And yeah, but like, he yeah, was into go, it. That time. Let's go. And then Data wants to go, and Wayland she was wants into to it. Go. Did she choose like, wearing? She rolls her eyes. <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, Hi, but funny. like that's that's we've sort of talked a little bit about it, but let's dive into love. Well. Right before we go to love, can we just talk about romance, which these are connected, but they're not always the same. Yes, that's true. I wrote all caps romance because I was just like. They were so cute that they felt, it looked to me like they felt more free. Um, even though they were pretending to be other people, they were more free with each other. I think because they're like always working together and like there's a lot of different things with the hats they wear on the ship. And then all of a sudden it was like a girl and a boy. And they were like, yes. this is how <laughs> I feel about you. He so I don't know. Mom. It was just so yeah. neat to me to see them. I was like, oh, they like each other so much and they never get to like, really act on this on the ship yeah and then like all of a sudden i don't know it was just really fun yeah, that, that was moment cool. where they almost kiss was steamy. yes there was a lot of speaking of showmance that show had some mance it was good <laughs> <laughs> i liked it <laughs> misa were you gonna say something 
I was going to say that I think love is a personal, like solitary experience and you make the choice to share it with others. And sometimes and it like aligns, others, sometimes it doesn't, right? Yeah, that's right. Right. Sometimes it aligns, sometimes it doesn't, but you, you actively make the choice to share that. Like you could, somebody could influence like, you know, like they hit all the, like your checklist or whatever, they can influence your emotion and your experience, but how you choose to then go forward with it is ultimately still your choice. Love is an active choice. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to also a choice not to, to use that if it's not the right timing or you're, you know what I mean? Like if it presents itself and you're not mm-hmm. supposed to go there. Or whatever. I think there are so many different kinds of love. We, in our language, use one word, love to mean like a zillion different kinds of love in some languages there are multiple words like greek greek has like multiple ones don't they yep many asian languages have multiple words exactly so when you can when you listed out the things is it this is it that is it this i think the answer is yes i agree Mm -hmm. but do you think i mean we we have this metaphor that we've talked about some about the holodeck being a place where spiritual journeys happen and if there's a spiritual journey happening in this episode it's a love story between these Hmm. two characters and then it gets cut off by the gangsters but yet the ultimate traditional love story end the big goodbye that happened at the end of the whole the whole story was between Picard and his friend. It felt a little mm-hmm. romantic. It was incredibly romantic. Actually, it was between Dixon Hill and Officer yeah. Dan. Yes, yes, you're right. It was between those two characters. Yeah. And it was, if you had, if you just kind of closed your eyes and pictured, that would have been a woman. He was saying the big goodbye to, and it would have ended with a big old kiss. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still, be- it was so beautiful. It they, was. They were caring about you. I wish I could yes. take you with me. Yes, yep. it was it was beautiful. So again, Beverly should have played that role in the Hollow novel so that they could have had that kiss at the end. Exactly, she should have been Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> I love the Beverly and Picard thing, but I think that it is it is such a long term yeah. event to me. Yeah. We're on episode eleven or whatever the heck of it is. season and, one, right? of season one and i know that their relationship is a long is a long haul you know i well, mean and it's already and, complicated and it's complicated there's a lot of complicated to that well i love when they have but but they but they have these romantic moments and i think that they're they're awesome but i but the um but i love it when you know they 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 happen and they don't they don't act on them consummate you know i mean they don't they're not able to get <laughs> where we want them to get, you know. We we didn't get the kiss. We're on episode 11, you know, yeah. I mean. But for me, I was, like, excited for, like, confirmation yeah. for the few episodes we've seen before that that's, like, legit between them. Well, yeah. This was, like, they were ready to, like, play that out. They, they were, were ready to, to consummate. <laughs> <laughs> They were gonna. They were gonna lose data and that other guy somewhere. Kent, I think that this is the first time that, for me, I can see the spiritual implica- implications of the holodeck. You know, Grant, I'm giving you that because of the possibilities inherent in having an actual yeah. life experience in this space. Something that borders on reality. You know, somebody almost died in there. Somebody else, you know, again, got to learn a lot about human nature 
even yeah. if it was from the point of view of a 1930s boiler yeah. novel. Somebody else almost lives because that detective character yeah. becomes aware. And if one of the things that we classify like as being life is an awareness of self. Exactly. That was the conversation. Like You're right. You're absolutely so, right. Of all the episodes we've been in the holodeck, this one to me is the first kind of one where we get really spiritual even though it doesn't feel like it when you're just on a cursory watching. Because in a cursory watching, it's just fun, weird, and a little bit off. But yet what happens here, trying to figure out what is reality and what is not reality and whether they're really that different, you know, those are, that's a pretty intense question. Yeah. You know? Questions of existence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I appreciate this episode more having talked to you guys about it because... You know, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. There were things that kind of jarred me a little bit. So I, yeah. So but did we get for... Kent? <laughs> oh, I, I know, I'm Kent. so mad at this episode. Oh. Kent, I have something you might like about this episode. Yeah, what? So, of course, Wesley was going to get shunned again. And then Deanna was like, at the beginning, when he was like, hey, Riker, I can come help. And he was like, no, I got Jordy. And then. You know, it was like, his mom's in there, let him help. But he did, and then Wesley, like, saved the day again. There you go. I thought you would like that part. I do like that part. <laughs> yeah, but we're still one step away from, if Wesley says he can help, just let him. for God's just sake, let him. just Seriously. tell him to do it. Don't argue about it. I would it. agree with that. Right. I mean, now, to his, to his credit, Riker was nice about it. He did say, you know what? Jordy can handle it. You have responsibilities here. Shut up, Mark. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> did you notice where Jordy was, though? He was immediately like, hit it, Wesley. <laughs> like, oh, thank God. Wesley's here. <laughs> it takes a woman or Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a woman or Wesley. Or, or an android. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's time for blessings. wants to go first with their blessing i'll go first so i as i mentioned before as we talked about before um really appreciated that scene also between picard and his detective pal and it was very poignant the police officer having seen this and you can even watch him as the whole, the rest of that action is going on and you know the guys walk out in the hall and disappear and all this you see the detective really taking it in and kind of recognizing, oh crap, this is like different reality than I was thinking it was. And so that that scene at the very end with Picard and this guy, and it just, you know, I was struck with one more time. I mean, I, get, I feel like I've said this a lot and I think everybody has just the grace of Jean-Luc Picard, right? And so the guy says to him, obviously very invested and concerned about this, you know, am I gonna still exist when this is over with? And I really appreciated that Picard said, I don't know, I honestly don't know. And, you know, again, as someone who has been religious and has kind of come to a different place with regard to that, 
that type of honesty, and that's not to say that religious answers aren't honest, but in terms of where I am and how I experience things, there is something really refreshing and just grounded in the the answer, I don't know, you know? And um, it's not trying to make somebody feel better. It's not trying to make up something if you don't know the answer. It's just very honest and may not be the answer someone's looking for, but it's what you got. Yes. So I really appreciated that um, from Picard. And so I, yeah, I really, I hope that all of us, when we experience situations in which, you know, maybe the honest answer is not necessarily what someone is looking for, but it's what you got. Mm -hmm. um, you can share that and not beat somebody over the head with it, you know, be honest, be, be kind with it, but just be honest with it and say, here's, yeah, I don't, because mm -hmm. I just, I just find that really powerful and, and beautiful. That is beautiful. I, I think oftentimes sitting with people in grief, we try to come up with stuff to say. Mm -hmm. And also during this pandemic, I mean, I think I think we're saying I don't know quite a bit. Um, we're just being honest. So that's beautiful. It's good. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Who's next? Um, my blessing doesn't come from any particular character. Um, it actually comes from our discussion because um, our discussion actually gave me a better understanding of just exactly what I watched other than Chinatown meets Star Trek, um, <laughs> right? <good. laughs> um, in a world full of options, the choice is always yours. And so choose your own reality and the best one for you with what you're given. That's good. Yeah, it's good. Okay, data. Data, do it. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about the fact that data did his thing where he found out something was happening. And so he went and researched it. So he looked up Dixon Hill and he found out everything he could about Dixon Hill. And then he shows up in costume, ready to LARP. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, this is data again, learning about humans and this time their propensity for storytelling mm. and their love of, fiction mm -hmm. basically um yeah. and he dives into this lesson and he he had a little bit of that before with um with uh sherlock holmes but this is even more he's getting he put on a costume mm -hmm. you know he's trying to play a character he dives into it in full costume and even learns to improvise a little he does. you know he's not real good at it yet but he was <laughs> but trying that's right um and so my blessing for Data in his continued attempts, these beautiful attempts at learning, may we all embrace the stories we discover, those of others and our own, with the commitment, abandon, and joy of Data. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Nice. Mine is weird. Oh, yay. <laughs> yay, let's do a weird one. So I took my blessing from Red Block. I know he's not real, he's an AI, but as soon as he found out that he was a fictional character and he could have the opportunity to go and ex go into this other world, 
he was excited about it and he embraced immediately, oh, I'm a fictional character, okay, and I can go out there, then I'm going. And he jumped in with both feet. And may we all be as open to the unexpected and to a reality that is different from ours. Um, yeah, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That came from a weird yeah. place. <laughs> Weirdo. Thank you. Yes, I am. Weirdo. <laughs> that was awesome. Even if we dissolve into nothingness. Yes. Because <laughs> it was Even worth it. it doesn't work out. Right. We tried. Mm -hmm. um, mine is really simple. It's um, from Deanna Troy. And the beginning when she could tell the card was done, study, he had done all that he could. And she had the wisdom to tell him to play. Oh, yeah. And I think um, if we <laughs> if we learned anything from 2020, here we are in 2021. I think the stress levels we're all under, if it's just emotionally because of the world around us or it, if, if it is just our workload or school or whatever, that we need to recognize that um, sometimes the best thing to do is to stop and play and, and recalibrate yourself and, and then go back in. And it seemed to work out for Picard. He nailed it at the end. So no one died. <laughs> That's right. No one died. He almost got to kiss Bev. <laughs> yeah, he almost got the girl. <laughs> but may we all take a break when it's necessary and, and realize that it's okay to do so. Yes. So. Thank you. Yes. Okay, Kent. Um, Lay it on us. My, I didn't have a blessing at the start of this, but Nicole gave me a blessing when she brought Aww. up Riker sending Wesley to help. And that is, Riker, as many issues as he has along the way, seems to always know when he has made a mistake. And he's very, very quick to rectify those mistakes and recognize that the people around him are smart and that he should listen to them. And he does. And so... I think we need more of that in the world, and I hope that we have more of it in the world moving forward. I hope so, too. Absolutely. That is really. a good hope. <laughs> Clean-shaven or bearded really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. matter. Bearded. I heard you say we all need more bearded Riker. <laughs> <laughs> you heard what you heard. What you heard. <laughs> I speak for your mom and for me. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is our show. Uh, thanks to our Federation, Nicole, Becky, Christina, Mark, Nisa, uh, for going on the sacred trek today. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening. We couldn't do it without you. Please do rate and review, like and share, and subscribe to Sacred Trek. It does help the show grow and be successful. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Sacred Trek Podcast. And if you like what we do here and want to help keep making the show, head over to patreon.com slash lastmidnightproductions to help sustain us. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacredtrek at lastmidnightproductions.com or sign up for our newsletter at lastmidnightproductions.com slash sacredtrek. Thank you again for joining us today. We will be back next week with episode 12 called Data Lore. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask and get your vaccine, and go with love. For Sacred Trek and Last Midnight Productions, I'm Kent Altman. Live long and prosper. Last Midnight Productions.